Howdy, Health Explain listeners. This is Dr. Robin Trailer. I am your host and chief medical officer of acute care services at Next Level Urgent Care. Today, we are going to be talking about vaccines, why they matter, where they came from, and who's supposed to get them. I am thrilled to have two of my Next Level besties in the room with us today. Dr. Martin Coos, our Chief Medical Officer of Occupational Medicine. Say hi, Martin. Hello, Dr. Trailer. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> And Dr. Karen Rakers, who is our Chief Medical Officer of Next Level Health and Wellness. Howdy, Karen. Hello. (laughs) Happy to be here. Yes. Well, we are recording on Valentine's Day, and I gave a talk last year and informed people that, in my mind, vaccines and the act of becoming vaccinated is an act of love, because we don't get vaccinated just for ourselves, right? I mean, it's a it's a public health initiative. And when we vaccinate ourselves, we are protecting the weakest, the smallest, the immunocompromised among us. Spread love, not germs. That's what I'm saying, Dr. Rakers. Yeah, and it, it's one of those uh, things that if you vaccinate, like there's a magic number, it's like 85% or something like that. If you vaccinate that, yes. everybody else is protected the too. The herd immunity. Exactly. Yes, You're absolutely. The, we're, we're, it's all about the herd. So Right, it's all about the herd. You got to do what the herd needs, okay? So I don't remember in medical school or even in undergraduate studies learning exactly where vaccines came from. Vaccines have always been around our entire lives. I mean, some of them are new, right? Since since we've grown, there have been some new introductions on the scene, and we'll get to that part. But vaccination as a concept has always been with us. And I wondered, well, how far back does this even go? There's a guy from England in the 1700s named uh, Edward Jenner, I believe. And he is known as the father of vaccination because of big strides he made during a smallpox outbreak. Uh, Apparently, he had heard that milkmaids were immune to smallpox. Mm -hmm. And why? Like, honestly, why would milkmaids not get the thing? And so he bravely would take a small sample of smallpox pus from like a person and then inject it in another person. And suddenly somehow these people were protected from the smallpox virus. And you wonder like, where did that guy even get the idea to do that? Is that the way it worked? I thought it was you give it to the cow, and then the cow makes antibodies, and then you inoculate it from the cow. I may be remembering it incorrectly. Well, maybe not. Okay, this is what I'm saying. They didn't teach us in school. I got it off of Google, Martin, so you could be 100% right about that. You know, punchline is, though, that the world had been inoculating humans for hundreds of years before Jenner's paper was published in England, there are journals in China and in Africa and all over the world explaining how to inoculate individuals in times of pestilence and disease, you know, in order to protect society. And interestingly, even here in the States and in the early colonies in the 1700s, an enslaved person taught the the dominant class how to inoculate people against smallpox so that many people would have their lives spared during the smallpox outbreak in New England in the early 1700s. So I'm saying 
this is not new. Like vaccination as a concept has been on the planet for a very long time. Super interesting. Yeah. I remember hearing about polio mm-hmm. and how polio was a big, big deal. And then what they did is they, they put it on sugar cubes. Okay. Is, is that what they did? So I when, mean, I would eat that. When the po- yeah. well, that's why it's the oral. <laughs> that's the oral version that we have yep. now. And I think what the what I remember is people would line up for just long, long, long lines, and then in that big public health effort, at that one time almost eradicated polio from from Earth. They give them in schools, too. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that concept came back around early in the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. Some people wanted to rely on that Mm -hmm. ancient wisdom that maybe being around, you know, someone with the virus might help you pick it up and then develop some kind of natural immunity to to the virus. And I wouldn't say that logic was totally flawed, but I would argue that getting the actual COVID vaccine is safer uh, and more effective, more controlled than, you know, rolling the dice and maybe just trying to put yourself in front of what could be uh, a catastrophic, yes. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I think really illness, that is yeah. the concept that we all believe in when it comes to vaccines yeah. in general. We want to get the vaccine that we know, you know, what's in it and what the response is going to be based upon data, not get yes. the actual disease, which, you know, can yes. be deadly. Yeah, 100%. exactly right. Yeah, no, one thing we know for sure is the vaccine did not kill people, whereas real COVID at times did. Oh, absolutely. And what we learned with COVID, at least early on in COVID with the alpha and maybe even with the delta, is that it was 10 times a killer as influenza. And I know you guys remember our ICUs were flooded. Our hospitals were flooded. Our emergency rooms were flooded. We had lines wrapped around our urgent care buildings at that time. Remember when we were wearing the raincoats? I do. do yes. And we had to wash them after every use. You have to spray, spray them, them down. down. Let we them dry. We were wearing raincoats. <laughs> we would go out in the parking lot to swab people for, for COVID because we didn't know what it was. This is before we had a vaccine. And we were just trying to keep everyone safe. And so, boom. At the end of, was that at the end of 2020 when the first vaccine comes out? It was December. It was December of 2020 because Moderna we were all came here. first and Pfizer came next yep. or something like and that. Actually, we want, got our Moderna, I think, on it was December like 23rd. 23rd. December so, 23rd. Because we all showed up and we got our, our own vaccines. Oh, yep. my goodness. I remember when... Dr. Rakers got her vaccine. I remember her husband getting her vaccine, Dr. Brief. Yes. So we were kind yep. of a hub here. Remember we got the first yes. batch and all of the healthcare providers from the, the whole region yes. would drive in from like all over Louisiana. Yes. And- December 24th, well, I mean, that day was my most stuff. favorite day as a doctor ever, giving uh, vaccination 100%. to people who were healthcare workers and high risk and really needed Special. For protection. For the first time in my career, I actually did feel a little bit like a hero. Okay, because we were on the front lines. By that point, we had already been testing and trying to treat people for COVID, but now we had the vaccine and we were going to be able to make it available to, what was it, the elderly and people with comorbidities, the really vulnerable and frontline healthcare workers. So we were desperate for it at the time. I know some of us 
had some questions about what in the world this vaccine was, this mRNA vaccine, where did it come from? Mm -hmm. And at Next Level, during the COVID pandemic, we established the clinical research department. So we got to be involved in some of those early immunotherapy trials that, that were very good and quite effective at the time. That stuff doesn't work so well anymore. Um, but, but we had some comfort with understanding like immunotherapy and then when the when the vaccine came out it seemed like an an obvious and and wonderful kind of preventive yeah yeah preventive step because at the time i don't know if you guys remember we were giving the immunotherapy the monoclonal antibody mm -hmm. as a prophylactic yep. to high-risk individuals who had COVID in the home. Yep, exposure. But, but, okay, so let's talk about mRNA vaccine. Ooh, another fun fact that I learned last year when I gave the vaccine talk. Y'all, a woman scientist in the 1970s discovered the mRNA vector as a vaccine. And I thought that was kind of cool. That's and awesome. the, her, her idea gained some traction and, you know, developed some weight in scientific community. But by then, we had all these other formulas for vaccine, right? Live attenuated and inactivated and, you know, all these other kinds. And so I think that by the time mRNA came around, the world just didn't feel like we actually needed mRNA, but it wound up being our saving grace during the COVID pandemic. I spoke a little bit about this in, t in one of my talks that I gave, and what I learned during that talk is that, you're right, that technology and that research has been around forever. The problem is we didn't have a vector to use it That's against right. because it wouldn't, there was nothing that was a good fit for it. It's cool because the COVID particle or that little the spike protein? This, yeah. Well, the, or no. The, the, no, you're right. The spike yeah. protein is like the only thing accessible on this tiny little particle. Right. And remember, it looks like a little, like a snowball kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And a so really, no yes. other, I mean, that <laughs> viruses are really like the only and the best kind of a tool to target I get, with using the mRNA vaccine. And so really, that was the first time we had the opportunity to use it. It really doesn't work on other things for now. Totally. Well, it was a smart shot. I so what so. I learned is that the, MR, the mRNA vaccine is actually a message. It's a code. It's a recipe. It's a plasmid, yeah. That, yeah, right. And so in, in the analogy that, that I like to to tell because it made sense to me. You can call me simple-minded if you want to, but it made sense to me. You give your body a shot of the recipe and then your body bakes the cake, okay? And the cake is the spike protein from COVID. Exactly. So you're, the, the shot tells your body how to create that spike protein and then your immune system goes, wait a minute, that guy's not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. And your immune system Stand attacks. Yeah, yes. and he, the immune system yeah. goes to eat the cake. There you go. So you times. get the recipe, you bake I the cake, it. you eat the cake, and, and now brilliant. you remember. I know. I Sometimes I think I'm very brilliant, Dr. Rakers. but We should eat cake on Valentine's I'm Day. I'm telling you, today is the day for, for cake and chocolate and all kinds of sweet goods. My, we're talking about sugar cubes, for oh, goodness no. sakes. Yeah. <laughs> 
this was I think that this was fascinating because we did the mRNA side, but there was a DNA side to this too. So you could you you could either give somebody DNA and then they would make their own mRNA That's and, then, right. and then develop the spike protein, or give them the mRNA directly. That's the cool right. thing about this is that you actually infect one of your muscle cells or a few of them yeah. with the actual thing, and then that's why. Do you remember how how sore our arms were? Oh my gosh, yeah. Because yeah. your body's attacking that muscle cell, and that muscle cell would be destroyed for the benefit of the uh, oh of the, the whole body. Of it's almost body. like the vaccine. I concept could not raise this. my arm. Yeah, and yeah. I remember looking at some of our other colleagues that I gave shots to, feeling bad. It's yeah. like I punched them in the arm when I gave them the shot, yeah. but. So well, people, people get worried that. about things like that, but all those side effects that happen are really just your body doing yes. what we want it to do, sure. you know, which is to form an, you know, mount an immune response so that you have protection in the future. So the sore arm, the low grade fever, the mm-hmm. body aches, it's, it was almost it's all reassuring to what tell we want to happen. People right. liked hearing about that. They liked when, when they, when it would explain to them that they actually had a spike protein in their arm it reassured them that, oh, so I'm not getting it all over my body. It's like, exactly, exactly, you're not. And, well, can I test positive from it? Well, no, because it's only in your arm. Yes, that was a big, big myth at the time. And understandably so, because COVID was new. No one knew where it came from. There was some skepticism about, like, research and the clinical science community. And I, I think it's healthy to ask questions. But the truth is that number one the shot is not covid you're not giving yourself covid okay uh any risk of side effect is so minuscule like at one time we were worried about blood clots and i think the risk of blood clots from the johnson and johnson shot in particular was like less than one ten thousandth of a percent it was so ridiculously low compared to the actual risk of like blood clots with covid um, and other things and so you know in in our work i know that we found ourselves in front of patients and maybe even some of our family and friends really trying to advocate for the efficacy and the safety of of that actual covid shot well now it's like three years later going on you know four years later and i think people are a lot more comfortable with the covid shot than we were three years ago it's almost like ubiquitous like no one really cares about it anymore i think people get you know nervous about potential side effects again side effects or complications Mm -hmm. and you know as a physician i always tell people there's a risk of like everything you do, but also definitely anything that you put inside of your body. And what we do is we weigh the risks versus the benefits. And I I think it's interesting because people, you know, kind of lose sight of the fact that like taking Tylenol has risk. All these things that people do on a regular basis, over-the-counter medications, I mean, walking across the street, you know, there we we take risk in everything that we do. Um, And so there's you know, a vaccine, yeah, there is going to be some minuscule risk um, to anything that you put in your body. But there's actually, so we do have absolute contraindications to the vaccine. And those absolute contraindications are anaphylaxis. So if you've had anaphylaxis, true anaphylaxis with the first shot, you probably shouldn't get the second shot. But um, otherwise, that risk for for the Moderna vaccine, it was two to five per million. It was two dash five. They weren't sure somewhere in there. And the Pfizer was five to seven per million. So absolutely tiny amount. So much so that when they had these huge drive-by parties in uh, in LA, 
where everybody would just drive by and they would have just hundreds of yeah. medical personnel, they wouldn't sing a, 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 a single case for yeah. like the whole day. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's truly, truly extremely rare. And that's the only absolute contraindication. Right. So COVID shot's a good shot. It's pretty safe. I don't know which booster I'm on. I've probably had four or five COVID shots in my arm. I, I have no idea where I even am anymore. I've lost count. But so I, I started out talking about how when we're children, we get plenty of shots. I mean, if you are a primary care doctor taking care of infants, probably at that two month visit, that baby's getting like four shots. Yeah. Right at birth, yeah. uh, babies are, are getting that the hep B vaccine, that's right. So let's talk a little bit about like our vaccine timeline throughout our lives. What are we getting? What is this stuff? What are we protected from? What's, what's the deal? Well, all kinds of things as a child, right? Um, you know, we get hepatitis B, diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, hepatitis A a little bit later, MMR varicella a little bit later, Haemophilus so influenza, pneumococcal. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch, right, when you're little. Um, as, a, as a baby, that newborn um, vaccine series that kind of ends around age four to six when you kind of complete your childhood vaccination right. series. Right. And kids do get, you know, a good number of vaccines, which is awesome because then they don't yes. have to get sick <laughs> with, yeah. with all the things that we all had well, to suffer with. And I have to say, our generation really doesn't have a whole lot of exposure to yeah. the devastation of the viruses exactly. that that we are protected against. You yes. know, I mean, some kids would get like measles and yes. just die, yes. you know, or goodness, polio was terrible, you know, yes. in, in like the mid 1900s, it, our, our, our children were became lame and couldn't walk and got weak. And this is just not even something we even see anymore because of the efficacy and safety of the vaccines. Yeah, so. yeah some vaccines are being phased out. The, the BCG vaccine, I think it's still pretty effective, 86%. Yeah. But it, even so, because it's so effective that we really don't have to use it in the States, for right. example. Right. Yeah, we haven't used that in the States. Right, right. Well, I mean, I call that a big win for, for humankind that we discovered that. And I also think that it is important for society to protect its members against those kinds of devastating illness. We just should not have to deal with measles and polio and rubella and haemophilus influenza B, for goodness sakes, yes. you know. And and so, you know, at schools, there are vaccine mandates. You know, now I'm, I'm a family doctor. Of course, I'm pro-vaccine. I think everybody should get their shots should not miss one. I think we should all be first in line to get our shots. I don't think that there should be any skipping of vaccines. For a while there, some people were worried about vaccine linked to autism. That turned out to be completely false. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, there was never any real science to support that claim, but it's a really scary thing to say. And I think any loving parent or grandparent might pause right. if they had if they heard a bad rumor you know about yes. that shot but well, they still do yeah right well this we is still what have i'm measles saying outbreaks but, in you know, California. right right so you know we're all in the, all of us in this room are parents you know and have immunized ourselves and our children and encourage our our families to get immunized but i think some people are under the false assumption that by the time you get to kindergarten or, or maybe even after you get that last tetanus booster in ninth grade, 
you're good. No more shots in your life. And that's not necessarily true. That's not it's true, funny. for we, sure. We had actually mentioned that. So there's like, you, you all see two versions of this. I see yes. three. So the, the second one for me is so you have the childhood ones and you have the military ones. Oh, there you go. Talk about the military ones for Your a anthrax second. vaccine, which. Stop. Yeah, you guys get all kinds the of The anthrax things. one was pretty cool. You get six shots in the first year and then afterwards it's a yearly booster. And it only lasts one year. So if you don't boost yourself, you're no, no longer. Uh, protected. Fortunately, anthrax is very easy to treat. And then we do the smallpox <laughs> vaccine, which is not necessary for everyone in the United States anymore. Other countries still do it because, yeah. actually, I don't know if it's necessary anywhere because it has been eradicated, yeah. technically speaking. Yeah. But the most important ones that I think people over, over overlook and kind of forget about are the ones that we should get. I'm getting to that age. <laughs> We're, we're getting to that age. Yeah, we. <laughs> well, let's skip to the the adolescents first because I think you're right. Kids, babies get their vaccine series, and then they think, "Oh man, I'm good." Now, the adolescence is a little bit easier because schools often do require these vaccinations. But you know, the mm-hmm. 11 to 12 year olds are right. uh, have recommendations for meningitis vaccination, right. HPV vaccination. Right. What an amazing, major. what an amazing vaccine! What a blessing. Yes. I can't call it anything other than that. I mean, so, the idea that Something like 70 to 80 percent of women. Yeah. Yeah. 70 to 80 percent of women in the world are going to be exposed to human papillomavirus. And that virus causes cancer. Cancer. Women die. I had a patient in in medical school that died mid-20s of cervical cancer. Horrible, right? Now you got a shot that can prevent prevent cervical cancer. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, and so they get those two and then they also have a recommendation at that age group to get a tetanus and whooping cough booster, which, you know, that's kind of the adolescent uh, series. But yes, Dr. Coos, as we get even a little bit older, <laughs> people really start forgetting that they might, uh, yeah. you know, need some vaccination. And I think, um, yeah, so, you know, 50 and up shingles vaccines, yeah. we've got 65 and up routinely get pneumonia vaccination. Yeah. Everybody every year should continue to get a flu shot Shot. Yes. You should continue to get a tetanus vaccine every yeah. 10 years and actually as an adult get a whooping cough booster if you haven't had one. So right. we want to protect, you know, the whooping cough one I think has been interesting because we've seen, again, outbreaks of that, yeah. you know, pop yeah. up, you know, at different uh, times across the country, just really due to probably people not having as high a rate of vaccination as we would like. And right. so that recommendation to get an adult booster of that vaccine came about in more recent you know years like during our careers as opposed to like measles which is easy to see the whooping cough one it, it can kind of go underlying and you can get a whole population or whole community sick Correct. and they don't even know it because it's just yes. the whooping cough until it becomes very severe well and i think what happens you know the it's not a severe illness often in adults so we have a cough yes. and then you're around a baby, a newborn, uh, you know, someone who's younger, immunocompromised, and they actually that silly, barky get cough. extremely ill. It's and terrifying. Die from, from it's cough. terrifying. I, I actually worked a, a pertussis outbreak in residency, and it's horrible, yes. you know, to to watch the community be affected, you know, by by that particular you know, illness. Well, and it's it. not. I mean, that's just the thing. Like, it's just so unnecessary. <laughs> we go ahead and get our shots. We can prevent ourselves a lot of pain and sickness. And so how are we gonna wrap this up, y'all? It's Valentine's Day. What is like a parting thought, any kind of guiding wisdom that we would give to our friends and neighbors and our patients about vaccinations? What if people don't know their 
vaccine status. You know, they lost their shot records forever sure. ago. They haven't even thought about it. Like, how do we how do we figure that out? Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the childhood vaccinations, by the time you reach adulthood, you would not be, you know, really wanting to repeat any of those. Some of them you would, but a lot of those, if we did want to repeat, you can actually have titers checked. Mm -hmm. So you can go have a blood test to see if you are in fact immune to certain conditions or not, and then determine whether you might be um, eligible or be able to benefit from getting vaccinated for those things as an adult. And otherwise, if you really don't know, for example, if you're old enough to get a pneumonia vaccine and you can't remember having one, just talk to your primary care doctor and get that vaccination. So Right. There's not generally any harm. I mean, it's not a recommendation, but if let's say you got a tetanus shot a year or two ago, you don't remember, you're not going to grow a tail nope. if you get a tennis booster today. Okay, well, I'm going to end it there. Um, you know, vaccines are important. Everybody should go get their shots. And maybe even later today, Dr. Coos and Rakers and I will go get shots in honor of... <laughs> Spread love, not germs. Spread love, not germs. What do you want to say, Dr. Cuse? Just one last thing. If you have any questions or any thoughts, find your doctor that you like. People call me all the time and ask me, should I get, should I really get the COVID vaccine? What do you think? And then get a doctor who you trust and let them walk you through it. If you have hesitations, you have thoughts, there are answers. Don't, don't sit in your cave and and say, oh, the world is against me. Find someone who's actually going to help you see the light. Okay. I love that. That is a good piece of wisdom, Dr. Coos. Well, Health Explained listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to our Vaccines podcast. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. Mm-hmm.